Good morning. How are you guys doing? <laughs> so a couple weeks ago, I was talking to Matt, worship leader, and said, hey, I've been thinking about calling our Christmas series Let It Go. Is that too cheesy? And he's like, no, I love that idea. And I was thinking about how Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus, had to let go of so many things. And so we had this idea, let's take the song Let It Go from the movie Frozen and kind of reimagine it as Mary singing that. And I just love, when I think about Mary, uh, little virgin Mary, that God sees things so differently than the way we see things. And, uh, and so kind of reimagining her telling the story of letting it go and, and a mighty queen, kind of. And so that's kind of what we're in this series called Let It Go. We're talking about what is it that we need to let go of. So a couple weeks ago, we uh, did a sermon series called Changed. How many of you guys remember that series called Changed? Yeah, a couple of us, yeah. In that sermon series, I talked about how I realized I needed to make some changes in my life, and so I signed up for CrossFit. Do you guys remember we talked about that? I mean, the first rule of CrossFit is you have to talk about CrossFit, right? And so I got a couple of you guys actually to come with me to come to CrossFit. Well, this week, we had, I've been going now for three months, and we had kind of a time where we evaluated kind of how are you doing? How many pull-ups can you do? How many ring rows? How many push-ups? And, uh, you know, just kind of what's your progress been like? And I'm like, oh, I'm pretty excited about this. Um, so I go to do, you know, how many pull-ups can I do? Uh, yeah, zero. Still. Yeah, yeah. How many ring rows can you do? Yeah, zero. All right. How many toes to bar? That means you hang on the bar and you put your toes all the way up to the bar, which I didn't know was possible for grown men to do that until I saw other guys do it. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, zero. Push-ups, I, I finally, I killed it on that one. So I'm not going to tell you how many I did because I don't want to brag, but I did good on that one. Good. So you can ask me later. But I was, I was honestly pretty discouraged. I was like, what in the world? I've been doing this three months and I still can't do a pull-up. And I was kind of broken up about it, honestly. And then we had to work out after that. And I was like, man, uh, this is stinks. But as I was thinking about it, I was like, you know what? The reality is, with CrossFit and so many things, I don't really have any control on the results. I don't really have any control on the outcome. All I can control is the input. What, what am I doing? And so it's like, okay, if I, I want to make some changes I want to continue going to CrossFit and maybe I'll tweak some things and, okay, maybe I need to tweak some things in my diet to help to figure that out and what I'm eating. And I can do what I can control, but I have to let go to some respects of the results and just do what I can do. Today, we're going to be talking about that, that there are things in our life maybe that you need to let go of. Now, I'm not saying in the month of December, just let go of all your fitness goals and just eat whatever you want. That's not good. But today... Maybe in your life there's something that you're holding on to that God is going to speak to today that you need to let it go. Before we dive into God's word, would you join me in a word of prayer? God, I thank you that you are here, and I thank you for the Christmas season and that you sent Jesus here, born in a tiny, humble circumstances. In there was the fullness of God revealed. And we thank you for Jesus that when we're in the mountaintops, when we're in the valleys, that he understands and he's there. And God, I pray right now that these would not be my words, they'd be your words. God, that you would be in my words and behind my words and work through my words to speak the message that everyone in this room 
that individually they need to hear. So God, I pray that your still small voice would be working now for the rest of the service. And God, that all of us would leave here changed by you. God, that we would let go of the things that we need to let go of. In your name we pray, amen. Kind of our big idea verse for this series is Luke 17, verse 33. I'm gonna read this in the New Living Translation. Jesus is speaking and he says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you let it go, you will save it. That's one of those kind of feel-good verses because who doesn't want to save their life? Who doesn't want to find life, right? And these are the kind of verses that pastors are really good at preaching on and, and, and youth conferences. Hey, you gotta let it all go and you know, maybe you take something and, and you nail it to the cross or you throw it in the fire. How many of you been to those kind of retreats? And it's like, yeah, that's great. And, and you're like, yeah, I gotta let go of everything to God. Praise God. And, and then Monday morning, you get in the minivan, you're taking your kids to school and you're like, what does that really mean? What does it really mean to let go of my life? God, I don't understand. What does it really mean to, to live by faith? Well, that's what I want to explore this Sunday and then next Sunday. What does it mean to let go? What does it mean to live by faith? We talk a lot about Mary during the Advent season, and we should. She's highly favored by God. She got to bear the son of Jesus. And we're going to talk about her next week, but today I want to talk a little bit about Joseph. And I feel kind of like he gets left out in a lot of the Christmas season. You know, the man who adopted God's son as his own. You know, of all the men who ever lived, God handpicked Joseph to be the adopted father of his son. And that speaks pretty highly to Joseph's character. This is the guy who's going to teach Jesus what it meant to be a man, to teach Jesus how to fish, how to be a carpenter, how to swing a hammer, how to treat women. Joseph, we know, loved God, and he's engaged to a wonderful young lady named Mary, who also, we know, loved God so much. And what's Joseph thinking about? He's thinking about starting his new life with Mary. You know, Joseph as a carpenter, maybe he's building a new home, for him and Mary, and they're gonna, he's so excited to, to bring Mary into this home he's building, and someday they're gonna raise children together. He's making sure the closets are big enough for all of Mary's shoes, and you know, maybe probably he's putting in two sinks so that Joseph's bad toothpaste habits don't get on Mary's nerves, right? Just dealing with all that stuff, like getting ready to start a life together, and he's so excited about what the future holds and all their plans, all their dreams as he's looking ahead. Well, let's, let's dive into Matthew 1, verse 18 through 19. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. What does it mean to let go of your life? We're gonna see Joseph had to let go of some pretty considerable things to allow Jesus into his life. Here at Christmas time, we talk all about the virgin birth, and it sounds great. It sounds like all scented candles and Christmas wreaths and Nat King Cole. But the reality is, when you lived it, it wasn't something beautiful. It was a nightmare socially. See, Joseph's life is going to be over as he knows it. Joseph's probably somewhere in his 20s. He's gone through the teen years. 
And as he's grown up, we know he's a good reputation. He's a good man. He's a just man. He loves God's law. You know, maybe people are talking about Joseph being the mayor of Nazareth someday. He's the kind of guy who follows through. He's steady. He's consistent. He's the kind of guy you want to marry your daughter. But poor Joe doesn't know he's going to be the temporary father to God. The Bible says Joe is betrothed to Mary. It's kind of like engagement, but in this culture, it's a little bit different. See, in this culture, it's, it's more like being married for an extended period of time, but no sleeping together, no living together, just proving that you're going to be faithful to one another. And see, the problem with betrothal, as much as it hurts in our culture to break off an engagement, it wasn't like that. You actually had to get divorced. And during this time of betrothal, it was actually even more important to be faithful and committed to each other. Because this is the time when you're saying, hey, I'm only for you. I'm totally and 100% committed to you. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Found to be with child. Sounds so nice until it happens to you. Mary was found to be with child. How did that go when Mary told him that? Like, you know, I, I just keep thinking about that. Like, how devastated is Joseph? You know, he's thinking about their life together, and all of a sudden now she's found to be with child, and he's angry. He feels like a chump. He feels betrayed. Maybe he punches a hole in the wall of the house he's been building her. And what are his options here? He, by law, could have her put to death because she's obviously been unfaithful to him. He could publicly shame her. He could humiliate her. You have to remember that Mary and Joseph are very average people living in a very average town. In those days, you didn't get betrothed without a plan, without a future. Most likely, they had been betrothed as children, maybe an arranged marriage. And what would happen is then you'd grow into your love. Most likely, Joseph didn't choose Mary, but Mary was chosen for him. They're very just ordinary couple. And you can see how Joseph would struggle when he found out. Like, I was thinking about this this week. Like, what was that like? You know, because I picture Mary calling up Joseph, because I think she told him over the phone, right? And she's like, you know, she calls up Joseph, and he's like, hey, girl, what's up? I miss you. She's like, Joseph, I have to talk to you. I have to talk to you, too. You know, and he's, Joseph, be serious. You know, and he's like, what, girl? I love you. I can't wait to start our life together. And she's like, um, so... An angel showed up and said that I'm going to uh, carry God's son. What? Mary, be serious. No, seriously. Like, an angel showed up and, and, and I'm going to bear his son. It's going to be the Messiah. Mary, I, I can't deal with this. What's his name? Tell me his name. I'm going to kill him. You know? No, it's real. I can't talk to you right now. You know, and I just picture him getting angry, hanging up. Mary... You know, he's at her parents' house, and she collapses on her bed, sobbing, and Joseph just doesn't know what to do. He loves Mary. He's excited to start his life with her. But who would believe that, that God would somehow put a baby inside Mary? He's thinking, no way. She's knocking boots with some Roman soldier or some other guy, and he feels so betrayed. He doesn't know what to do. He's at the end of his rope. And so 
Joseph does what so many guys do, and we're faced with just a problem we don't know what to do. We just kind of say, forget it all and go to bed. <laughs> That's what Joseph does. He just, he just goes to sleep. He's like, I can't deal with this. I don't, I don't know what to do. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, he resolved to divorce her quietly. He's a good guy. You know, he probably doesn't believe her, and he's just like, ah, but I'm going to make this quiet and just, just divorce her. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph doesn't know what to do. He decides to divorce Mary. He goes to sleep. But God is so good. God is so gracious. He says, Joseph, it's true. All of it, it's true. Mary really is going to carry the Savior. I picture Joseph waking up. I'm like, okay. All right, here we go. And Joseph drives over to Mary's parents' house. And he knocks on the door. You know, and Joseph, or Mary's dad answers. And Joseph's like, is, is, is Mary there? Her dad's like, yeah, I don't know if she wants to see you, though. She's pretty broken up. And Mary comes out, and Joseph says, so, uh, Mary, uh, I think that same angel that appeared to you, he showed up in my dream, and, you know, she's sobbing. She's like, what? What? Are you serious? It's like, yeah, yeah, I think, I believe you. You know, what? I love you. I love you, too. And they hug, you know, and he's like, but, you know, our life is over, right? She's like, yeah, I get it, you know. <laughs> we have to understand, like, this is real. This really happened. They're real people. And so I don't want to put Mary and Joseph on some pedestal and say, man, look what they did. But instead, I want to say, what can we learn from Joseph this week and Mary next about, about letting go of, of the things that we need to let go of? What did Joseph have to let go of? I think, what do we need to let go of? Number one, if you're taking notes, Joseph had to let go of being misunderstood. He had to let go of being misunderstood. Man, isn't it true that you and I want everyone to fully understand not only what we do, but why we do it, and how often we go out of our ways to make sure people understand. No, you don't understand my, my reasoning behind this. This is why I did it. I don't want to be misunderstood. But see, the problem with following God is he operates on a whole other level. And God will call us to do things that doesn't make sense to the rest of the world, that doesn't even make sense to us. If you want to be completely understood by people around you, then following Jesus may not be the best thing for you. See, the temptation is you're always going to want to explain yourself to the world. Instead, we have to say, you know, I'm just going to let that go. I'm going to let go of trying to always explain myself and accept that I'm just going to be misunderstood when I'm following Jesus. See, there's a lot of things Jesus says to do that people just won't understand. When your friends say, what do you mean you're not going to live together before you're married? When your friends say, what do you mean you're not going to go out with us on Friday night and get drunk? When you look at your spouse and say, you know what, we're not going to go into debt this Christmas season to get our kids everything they want. Instead, we're going to stay in budget. 
No, this winter we're not going to cram our schedules so full of activities that we don't have time to eat dinner together as a family. When you follow the way of Jesus, people are going to look at you and go, I don't understand. And following Jesus means letting go of being misunderstood. See, Joseph chose to let go of his reputation. He chose to let go of being misunderstood. See, it had been so much easier to just tell everyone, hey, Mary and I, we we messed up. And, uh, you know, we we were together before we got married, and so we had a quick wedding, and, and, and that's where Jesus came from. It had been so much easier to the rest of the world, but they didn't do that. He made it clear, this is not my baby. How committed is Joseph to being misunderstood? Guys, he lived in a small town. Everyone had commentary on their business. Everyone was thinking about it. His family was now shamed. Joseph is no longer considered a just man who loves the law. Instead, people are whispering his fiance was unfaithful to him and he should have put her out or put her to death but instead he's covered it up and he's protected her. Do you know that Jesus was considered a child born out of wedlock? Throughout the Gospels, there's comments made about him, about who his father might be, who his daddy might be. His entire life he was mocked. People believed he was the result of a one-night stand between Mary and some other guy. That was the narrative Jesus had to deal with, and that was the narrative Joseph had to deal with. We have to understand what it means to lay down our life for Jesus. It might mean being misunderstood by everyone around you. See, what we want to say instead is, you know what? I'm not here to defend myself. I'm not here to prove that those people are wrong and that I am right. I relinquish that so I can use my precious time and my energy instead on representing Jesus and his grace and his love to the world. Amen? I think we can learn to be like Joe, and to let go of being misunderstood. See, how much energy do we spend by trying to help people understand what we're doing and and, and our thinking, and this is who we are? Maybe instead we can use that energy to point people to Jesus. Number two, Joseph had to let go of his future. See, the future is an interesting thing. We think a lot about the future. There's, There's TV shows, there's movies about the future. One of my favorite movies, Back to the Future, love it. I never understood that, though, because they go back in time, not to the future, but that's okay. The future is a confusing thing because, you know, back in Back to the Future, they told us we'd have flying cars by now, right? Where is my flying car? That's what I want to know. Like, yeah, we got a pocket computer, but come on. We tell ourselves, like, the future is going to be amazing. I think so often we try to emphasize the future because when we do that, we minimize the pain of our present. We look ahead at all what might be to minimize what we're going through right now. But once that angel showed up to Joseph, he had to let go of his future. See, Joseph was born in this small town of Nazareth. That's where his parents lived and his grandparents lived. He was planning to spend his whole life there. But then Jesus is born in Bethlehem because of a census and they had to go there. But then two years later, another angel shows up to Joseph and says, hey, it's time to move. You need to go to Egypt. And I just, you know, you and I, we think about that and we're like, oh, cool, they they fled to Egypt. Ah, The pyramids are there. Awesome, Egypt, right? But for Mary and Joseph, living in a small town, 
This is a nightmare. They're leaving everything they've ever known to become refugees with a small two-year-old child crossing deserts, crossing the wilderness so that Jesus can be safe. See, the moment Jesus arrives, there is movement, there is disruption. The moment Jesus arrives in your life, there will be movement, there will be disruption in your life. You know, I think about this. What did, what did Mary and Joseph's afternoons look like in Egypt? Probably not much, right? They're just sitting around, looking at each other. Just very ordinary. No friends, no family, different culture. And I think about that, how following Jesus can look very ordinary, very boring. But there they are, taking care of Jesus, following where God is leading. And an ordinary obedience can have extraordinary results. Those long, boring afternoons of just the three of them being together, not knowing when they could go back. See, if you follow Jesus, he will disrupt your regular scheduled programming. Whatever plans you make for the future, Jesus will interrupt those plans. And I'm not saying don't make plans. But when we make plans, we have to let go of the future and say, God, it's yours. Take my plans. Be flexible. Some of you guys need to learn to flex a little bit more. Don't be so rigid in your thinking. Don't be so rigid in your planning. It's okay to make plans. But to understand that God will come in and he's gonna say, let go of that because I have something better for you. See, when we hold so tightly to our own plans for our own future, we miss out on opportunities that God has for us to make a difference, to love others, to bless others. Maybe this morning you've been bothered. There's some disruption in your life. You're saying, God, I need you to take care of this disruption that is going on in my life Take this away. But God might be speaking to you and saying that, no, your disruption is your destiny in disguise. Maybe that coworker who's bothering you, that friend or that family member who had to move in with you for a couple weeks, whatever that situation that is in your life that's really disrupting your comfortable, normal life, God is saying, no, this is an opportunity for you to step into your destiny. It's in disguise but this disruption is from God. Now, I don't believe God sends confusion, but if there's something coming in and it's disrupting what you have planned for your future, we need to ask, God, is this you? Are you behind this? And to be like Joseph and to let go of our future. Here's what James, the brother of Jesus, writes in 4. Verse 13, he says, Come now you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. It's not about our value or worth. It's about how long our life is here compared to eternity. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. When you read about Paul, the great church planner, the, the writer of so much of the New Testament. He, he's always at the end of his letters addressing these churches he's planted. And he says, 
I hope to come visit you. And, and, and perhaps, as the Lord leads, I will go there. It's not that Paul is super insecure or really bad at making plans. Paul has understood that he needs to let go of his future. He knows that God has something better for him. And he hopes, he plans to go to do this or this. But he's learned to live open-handed, to say, God, here's where I believe you're leading me. Here's where I, I think you want me to go. And that's the same thing with us, to make plans, but be very open-handed, say, God, here's where I believe we're doing. If God wills, this is what we will do. Because we don't know what the future holds. He learned to live open-handed. Say, God, it's all yours. I'm gonna let go of my future. I'm gonna put it in your hands. And number three, Joseph had to learn to let go of the results. Had to let go of the results. Can we just admit how results-oriented we all are? Man, this week as I was thinking about this and studying, I was like, this is the hardest one for me. See, so often I think God will ask us to do something. And then we do it, but if the results aren't what we thought they should be, we think, oh, well, maybe I was wrong. Or maybe I need to stop doing that because, you know, it didn't have the results that I wanted. But man, what I'm learning again and again is that God keeps score so differently than us. Joseph had to let go of the results. As I thought about this week, this, this one really just rocked me. Because do you know what happened to Joseph? Here's what I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you that Joseph, a just man, let go of his future and his reputation and, and being misunderstood, and he took care of God's own son, Jesus, and he adopted Jesus, and he married a single mom, Mary, and, and he taught and led well. And then 33 years later, he's at the foot of the cross with Mary, weeping as Jesus is on the cross. And then three days later, he's with Mary as Jesus rises from the dead. And then 40 days later, Joseph is there with Mary in the upper room as the Holy Spirit falls on the day of Pentecost and the kingdom of God is ushered in as the church has begun. But Joseph isn't there. Mary is. Mary's there at the foot of the cross. She sees her resurrected son and she's there on the day of Pentecost. But Joseph isn't. Nearly all scholars agree that Joseph probably died when Jesus was a teenager. We get to, he, he pops in the story when Jesus was 12 years old on that trip to Jerusalem and that's the last we hear about Joseph. And I'm thinking, God, this is a really sad story. Like, like when is this guy gonna catch a break? <laughs> He's given up so much. Like, like, what in the world? He gives up his plans, he gives up his future, he gives up his, his name for Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus' brothers and sisters didn't believe that Jesus was the son of God. Can you imagine how that was going, Joseph trying to navigate that? Like, you know, James, Jude, his, his younger brothers are running in, like, 
dead. Jesus is talking about being God's son again. He's like, I know, it's hard to believe, but he actually is. They're like, no, you know, and like trying to make the siblings understand. They didn't. They thought Jesus was crazy. He's just trying to keep his family together when one of the siblings happens to be God. Like, man, like I struggle with four kids sometimes in the family dynamics, but at least one of them is not God, right? Like Joseph had it rough. You know, Joseph takes Mary into his home. He flees to a foreign land as a refugee. They move back and no one ever looks at him again. Joseph dies before Jesus steps into his public ministry. He never gets to see the results of his hard work of Jesus step into his ministry and become the savior of the world. I thought, that's where we'll end. And there's your feel-good Hallmark story Christmas sermon. Amen. I was like, God, what can we possibly learn from Joseph? What's the message here? I think God would say to us, trust me with the results. Even when you don't see them, even when they're not what you think they should be, trust God with the results. See, God asks us to be obedient to him, and the results are up to God. God asks us to be obedient, and the results are up to God. See, Joseph didn't get to see the results. But how much did he maybe affect them? If you've been in church for a while and you've heard, you know, lots of sermons and maybe you remember the story in John chapter 8. The woman set up and caught in the act of adultery. Can I just submit something? Did it ever enter Jesus' mind as he's looking at this woman who's being accused of being loose, of sleeping around? Did Jesus ever think, that's what they called my mom. He thought of Joseph. How Joseph loved his mom and brought her into his home. How many times did Jesus look back and remember the example of the adopted, adopted daddy, Joseph? I don't know. Maybe as Jesus sat in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before going to the cross. Maybe you thought of Joseph, the bravest man he ever knew. Maybe that gave him courage to go to the cross. We don't know. We do know is that God asked Joseph to be obedient, to let go of his future, of being misunderstood of the results. And Joseph didn't get to see those results. But what kind of results were there? Jesus grows up, the son of God, dies on the cross for you and me so that we can be made right with God. Do you remember how the angel addressed Joseph when he showed up in the dream? He says, Joseph, son of David. Joseph, son of David. 
See, Joseph is just an ordinary man in an ordinary town, but he has an extraordinary heritage. He's the heart of a king beating in his chest. He's from the lineage of David, the giant slayer. And the angel's calling that out. Joseph, son of David. You're much more brave than you think you are. I think today God wants to speak to you and say that you have the blood of a king beating in your veins. By being adopted into God's family, you have a lineage. You are the son, you are the daughter of a king. And you are stronger and braver than you think. But you might need to let go of some things. The need to be understood. Let go of understanding every piece of your future. Let go of the results. Right now, maybe it seems like you're just trudging through life. Parenting, working, paying the bills working on your marriage, getting out of debt, living a more healthy life. And God says, trust him with the results. Let go, be obedient, walk in faith. Joseph had to let go of the results. Where are the results? They're in the hand of God. You and I, we need to just keep doing what we're called to do. God is responsible for the results. Our job is to be obedient to what God has called us to do. Today, I want to encourage you, whether right now or this afternoon, take some time. Just sneak away. Maybe some of your moms, you need to go to the bathroom and lock the door. And reflect. Maybe with a pen, paper, maybe a note on your phone. And just ask, what do I need to let go of? Is it the need to explain yourself again and again? And just say, you know what, I'm willing to be misunderstood for following Jesus. Maybe it's anxiety about the future, worry, fear. You're unsure about something. And say, God, I need to let this go. Maybe you've been toiling at something, parenting, at your marriage, at work, and you need to let go of the results. Say, God, you know what? I'm just going to be obedient. I'm going to trust you for the results. Whatever that is, I encourage you, take some time today. Reflect on that. What is it that God is saying to let go of? To trust him that he is a good God who loves you so much and he has a good plan for your future. It may not be what we think, but he loves us so much. As we let go, I believe that God will then use us as his people to make a difference. Because as we let go, our hands will be open to receive people in, to love people, to make a difference, to do what we've been called to do as a church. Next Sunday is a great opportunity to invite a friend, a family member, a neighbor. We're just going to talk about the love of Jesus and their reason for Christmas. Invite them next Sunday. During this holiday season, I encourage you, as you let go, 
and you live more open-handed, to allow God to flow through you, to make a difference in your neighborhood and your work. I believe God has so much more he wants for us individually and as a church. I'm excited to see what 2019 brings for us as a church and as individuals. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna invite the band to come up. We're gonna go out of here singing, but just putting our hope and our trust in God. Would you join me uh, as we pray? God, I thank you. (laughs) I thank you for the story of Joseph. And what an example he lived for us of someone who was willing to let go of so much for the sake of Jesus. God, I pray that we would let go of the need to be understood, that we would let go of our future, that we would let go of the results. And God, that we would trust you. As hard as it is, God, that we would let go so that we could find life, that we could save our life. God, I thank you that you came 2,000 years ago. You stepped into our world, into our brokenness, into our shame. And so, God, that we don't have to be alone. God, I thank you that you are our strong God who fights for us. God, I pray right now that if there's anyone here today who just needs to, who's just really, really struggling, God, that they would know that this is a place where they're loved, they are accepted. They don't have to have it all together, God. We are all works in progress, God, that you are redeeming and restoring. take uh, the next 30 seconds and just reflect and just say, God, what is it that I need to receive from you? What is it I need to release and let go of and allow you to carry for me? this morning God is speaking to someone that needs to let go of your past of ways that you were abused and harmed and God wants you to know it's not your fault you aren't damaged you didn't do anything wrong God wants you to let go of that past hurt. I believe God is also speaking to someone who just doesn't feel like you measure up. You feel like you're not good enough and you don't know if anyone would miss you when you're gone. I believe God wants you to know that you are dearly loved, you are dearly treasured, that God has a plan and a hope for your future.
God, right now, we just want to receive your strength, your love, your peace, your joy. Fill us anew. God, we aren't strong enough on our own. God, we need you. God loves you, that he so loves you. And that your job is to be obedient, to follow Jesus. And the results are in God's hands. Let's go out of here singing about our great God. We'll see you next Sunday night.